Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Lord, we do. We want to be with you. We want to be in your presence and to have an overwhelming confidence that you are by our side. And for all of us who have repented of sin and received you as Savior and Lord, for all of us who trust and follow Jesus Christ, we know that that assurance is ours. And Lord, we're so thankful for it. We're so thankful that we can know you are with us always, even to the very end. And we can know that because we are with you, there is no end. And so, Lord, encourage our hearts today. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. Make us more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Several years ago, we were filming some testimony videos here at church, and Cheryl Beckley, who has been a faithful member of our church for years and years, and actually she and her husband Dave were kind of the architects of our HD upgrade that happened around 2014 or 15. It was, it was before I got here, but they were kind of getting ready to, to start shooting the interview, and, and there were a few technical things that they were trying to take care of, and so Cheryl just started warming me up by just asking questions, and it kind of helps to talk when you are already talking. And so she, in her expertise, she's got an Emmy, uh, she in her expertise was, was helping me get ready to record. And she asked me a question that struck me because, frankly, I'd really never thought of it in these terms before, but she just asked me, she said, Jeff, when you speak, who is your audience? Who are you talking to? And, and you know, in general terms, it's people, anybody with a pulse, that's who I'm talking to. But, but she said, who is the person that you're trying to speak to, the person that you're trying to reach? And, and this was the answer, anybody who needs hope, anybody who needs hope. And if you're like me, when you look around, you see that anybody who needs hope is pretty much everybody. And how many of you could use a little extra hope today? I know I could. So when I speak, when I'm sharing God's Word, because who cares what I think, my job's to share God's Word. When I speak, I'm, I'm trying to share God's Word with anybody who needs hope. Because I believe, and so many of you believe, that the greatest hope any human being can have is found in the pages of God's Word as it reveals to us Almighty God Himself. We talk about what it means to, to have hope in Christ, and have you ever thought about what is the basis of our hope? Like, why are Christians so hopeful? Well, I think the most obvious answer there is the fact that we have everlasting life in Jesus Christ. That when we come by faith, repenting of our sins, and placing our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, we understand that in that moment, our sins are forgiven. That Jesus covered over all of our sins and paid our debt of sin in full by His death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. And so we know that in Jesus Christ, when we come to Him, we can be assured that we belong to Him. And that when our life on this earth comes to an end, we will go immediately to be with Him, and it'll be okay. 
That's amazing. That's, that's phenomenal to know that death does not have the final word for anyone who trusts and follows Jesus. No, God has the final word for us, and that word is life, full life, abundant life, everlasting life in His presence forevermore. And so that's hope. That's hope that transcends our present age. That's, that's hope that transcends any circumstance. That's hope that transcends any diagnosis. That's hope that transcends anything we could ever face. We have hope. We have hope that is greater than this world. It is hope that those to whom we've had to bid farewell for a moment are doing just fine today. Because those who trust and follow Jesus, when their life on this earth ends, they go immediately to be in the presence of their Lord, and they're better than they've ever been before. All is well. And because all is well with them, we can say it is well for us. Doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean we don't grieve, and it doesn't mean that there's not sorrow, but it means that there's hope that overcomes the grave. Well, have you ever thought about the basis for that hope? Have you ever thought about why we can have that hope? Daniel's going to show us why today as he shares this revelation from God that he received in a vision that, that God gave him for us to see and for us to know what's coming. See, the reason that we can have everlasting hope to know that life goes on forever in glory with God through Jesus Christ our Lord is because our God is the eternal victor. Nothing and nobody will ever overcome our God. He wins in the end. And if He wins, then so also do all of us who have placed our faith and trust and found our hope in Him. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, if you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 744. 744. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14, and I want to give you this theme today. God's way is not always easy. Hold on to hope even when life gets hard. God's way is not always easy. Hold on to hope even when life gets hard. Daniel chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, and we'll read first through verse 8. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. 
it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking great things. Our first point today is this, great powers arise on earth. Great powers arise on earth. Somebody asked me the other day, as you go through Daniel, are you going to get into the prophecy? And I laughed and said, no. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, because it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, I get, I get about half an hour. That's a lot to go through on Sunday morning. And there are a lot of presuppositions here. There are a lot of different ways of, of looking at the end. We call that, that field of theology eschatology. And so there are all sorts of various ways of looking at eschatology. You can be premillennial, amillennial, postmillennial. If you're within the premillennial camp, you can be traditional premillennial or dispensational premillennial. If you're dispensational premillennial, you can believe in a pre-tribulational, mid-tribulational, or post-tribulational rapture. There's all sorts of things. There's all sorts of ways. So we're not going to dig into that, but but here's what most theologians believe that Daniel was seeing in these visions at this particular point in time. Most theologians, and there are those who diverge on this, but the majority of theologians believe that the beasts that were being raised up in Daniel's vision here are great powers, great nations, great kings that would arise on the earth. And so we've gone back in time. Daniel chapter 6 actually takes place after Daniel receiving this vision in Daniel chapter 7. He's back in the time of Belshazzar. Belshazzar's the one who saw the writing on the wall, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Uh, and then Belshazzar was taken away, and Darius came, and Darius was the one that was the, the Daniel chapter 6 and Daniel in the lion's den, and we talked about that last week. And then Cyrus is going to come and be the great king under whom the exiles return. So, so there's different kings, but what we're, hap what we're seeing happen right now is Daniel's going back to the time of Belshazzar, and during this time he gets this vision of these four beasts. And these are what most theologians believe these beasts represent. The first beast represents the Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar that came in and took over Jerusalem, took Jerusalem, and took Daniel and his friends to Babylon. The second beast, most theologians believe, is the Medo-Persian Empire. This would be Darius, this would be Cyrus, this would be the empire that arose to power and overtook the Babylonians. And so in the year of Belshazzar, that hadn't yet happened. So God is giving Daniel this prophetic vision. Then there was a third beast, and who is the third beast? Well, most theologians agree that this is all that was conquered under Alexander the Great of Macedon. And so this, this great territory that Alexander the Great conquered from, from, from Macedon and Greece all the way over to, to India, um, and, and so that this third beast would be really the, the Greek empire, but really the work of Alexander the Great and everything that he did. And then the fourth beast, which was different. Now, there's some degree of difficulty in, in discerning this, but most theologians believe this is Rome. This is Rome rising up. Others believe that this is a kingdom yet to be revealed, perhaps a, a revived Rome in the last days, which have not yet happened. Even in 2023, they haven't happened. So some believe it's historical Rome. Some believe it's a revived Rome yet to come. 
You can go to heaven trusting and following Jesus and disagree on these matters. It's okay. Okay? So there are a lot of different interpretations of these issues. But, but the point is this. Great powers have arisen throughout the course of human history. You studied them, right? I can remember going to seventh grade and studying all the great civilizations of days gone by. I can, I can remember going to ninth grade and studying World Civ and all the great civilizations. And, and I have gone to the other side of the world and I have looked upon the ruins of several of these. And they're ruins. Why? Because they don't last. Rome was phenomenal. They knew how to build a road. They knew how to build a road. You can go walk on Roman roads today that are in better shape than some of our roads that were built just a few years ago. They knew how to do things. You go to these Roman, uh, these, these Roman cities, and, and, and it, there's, there's some sense in which if you go to one, you, you know what the rest of them look like because it was kind of like, I don't know, Dollar Generals around here. They had a pattern that they followed, okay? So you go, you go to one, you've, you've, you've seen what most of them are like, but it's still amazing to go to these places. These great powers have arisen, and what have they done? They've fallen. And that's happened throughout the course of human history. You know what's going to happen as long as the world is still turning? As long as Christ hasn't yet returned? Great powers are going to arise. None of them will last forever. That's the lesson we learn from history. But that's the truth we see revealed even in Daniel's vision. Babylonians were unbelievable, but they weren't unconquerable. The Medes and the Persians came. The Medes and the Persians were unbelievable, but they weren't unconquerable. Alexander the Great came. The Greek Empire was unbelievable, but it wasn't unconquerable. The Romans came. Rome was phenomenal, but it wasn't unconquerable because you can go to Rome today and you can see the ruins of the Colosseum because Rome is no longer in power. Powers come and powers go, and what God is giving Daniel is a prophetic vision of the powers that are going to be raised up. And it turns out that prophetic vision was true. Incidentally, if anybody ever tells you they're a prophet, there's a very easy test in Scripture for what a prophet is, who a prophet is. If their prophecy comes true, then there you go. If it doesn't, they're not a prophet. Okay? Just, just so you know, because we have some people who like to say they're prophets today. All right. Verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Our second point. God's greatness exceeds all. 
God's greatness exceeds all. So the first point, great powers arise on the earth, but God's greatness exceeds all. Notice what Daniel sees. The Ancient of Days, Almighty God enthroned with myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, ten thousands of ten thousands around him, worshiping him, giving glory and honor to him. This is a scene that we see several times in Scripture. Isaiah beheld the glory of the Lord in his throne room. In Isaiah chapter 6, do you remember what he said? He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Ezekiel saw him, and this is Ezekiel chapter 1. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of the rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of of one speaking. God's glory surpasses all glory we could ever fathom on this earth. It is a glory that our minds cannot wrap themselves around because God is infinite in His glory and we are painfully finite. We can't understand the magnitude of God's glory. We can go back and look at the ruins of great civilizations. We can watch our news and see Nations now fighting to be great, but we can't understand the matchless glory and power of Almighty God. His glory surpasses all, and it always will. And so Daniel looked and he saw the Ancient of Days high and lifted up. He saw Almighty God and he saw the worship of Almighty God in the heavenly realm. He saw the submission of everything unto God. You know, there have been some great rulers, some great leaders, but the Bible says every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, yes. Great powers have arisen throughout the course of human history, and as long as human history continues, great powers will continue to rise up. People will seek power however they can get it. But never forget to remember that God's greatness surpasses them all. Well, Daniel's not done. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, 
With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Our third point is this. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, shall reign forevermore. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, shall reign forevermore. So you may be confused, and maybe if you're one of those people that fills in the blanks ahead of time, maybe I got you this time. Because I would have put Son of God, wouldn't you? Wayne Grudem, uh, who's an evangelical theologian, in speaking about this title, Son of Man, this is what he says. This is very helpful. This title is used 84 times in the four Gospels, but only by Jesus and only to speak of himself. In the rest of the New Testament, the phrase, the Son of Man, with the definite article, the, is used only once in Acts chapter 7, verse 56, where Stephen refers to Christ as the Son of Man. This unique term has as its background the vision in Daniel 7 where Daniel saw one like the Son of Man who came to the Ancient of Days and was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Grudem says, It is striking that this Son of Man came, quote, with the clouds of heaven, This passage clearly speaks of someone who had heavenly origin and who was given eternal rule over the whole world. And then Grudem points us to another text where Jesus is talking to the high priests. Do you remember? This is in his trial just before his crucifixion. Matthew records it in his gospel. This is Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 through 68. So go with me to the old city of Jerusalem. Go with me to the trial of Jesus before the high priest. Listen. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Listen to this. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, he deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him saying, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? 
you heard what Jesus said. From now on, he said, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound kind of like, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Does it sound like Jesus might have been making a claim here? that he is the everlasting Son of Man that Daniel saw presented before the Ancient of Days, coming on the clouds with power and with great glory and dominion and power and authority unsurpassed given unto him. See, Jesus said when he called his disciples together to a mountain in Galilee before his ascension and gave to them the great commission saying, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you even unto the end of the age. What did he say before he said all that? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. He is the Son of Man who was presented before the Ancient of Days, co-eternal with the Father to rule forever and ever and ever and ever. He is the one to whom every knee will one day bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every single tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that He is the one that God the Father left nothing outside His control. The writer of Hebrews says, at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to Him, but we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. Jesus Christ is the one who has died. More than that, he is the one who has been raised from the dead, and he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, and one day he shall return to gather his church and to judge the world. And in that day, there will not be a single knee not bowed to him. In that day, there will not be a single tongue that fails to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our God wins. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ. You are in the Father. And Christ is in you. And that is your hope of glory. Our God wears the eternal crown of victory. The Apostle John gives us a glimpse of this in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16, when he tells us, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God.
and the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We gather as First Baptist Church. We gather on Sundays. We gather a lot of times through the week. But on Sunday mornings, we gather to remind one another of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a hope that has conquered every difficult circumstance we could ever face. It is a hope that transcends every trouble we ever have to deal with. It is a hope that overcomes even the grave because our Lord has conquered the grave for us. But it is a hope that is greater than any power that might arise on earth. No matter where, no matter when, and no matter who. Because nothing surpasses the greatness and glory of our God. He wins. And so we are the people who have freely and of our own volition surrendered ourselves to His Lordship in our lives today. We don't have to be forced to bow our knee to Him. No, we do that freely. We don't have to be forced to confess with our tongues that He is Lord. No, we do that freely. And we offer to everyone that they might do that freely now, for, for in so doing, in repenting of sin and surrendering ourselves to Him, we receive the gift of everlasting life. There will be those who make that confession unto hell, but not us and not any who trusts and follows Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.